From the Mecca Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter Long. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, and with the Long Shows, we begin with a prayer. There's not that many, maybe a couple more months, maybe two and a half, whatever months, left of Heart of the Matter shows uh, from the Mecca of Mormonism until our big announcement. We want you to participate in that, and if you want to, send us an email with your name, first and last name, and the place you live. Now, there's been some people who've had concern. I don't want to reveal my name. I'm afraid. Uh, it's, it's confidential. We're not going to tell anybody your name. Uh, it's just to help us in what we're setting up and uh, for the future, and I really do believe you're going to want to be a part of it if you're a fan of the show. So send us an email as we get prepared for this change. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for life, uh, for loving us, for giving us your son, for uh, all the things that you allow us to do. We pray your spirit will be with us as we consider this message. Help Kathy Mag as she prepares it and gets it out to our uh, viewing and listening audience and uh, people who are seeking truth. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you know, at least I hope you know, I'm a huge fan of Scripture, a huge proponent of the Scripture. To me, it's uh, the best use, really, of a person's time, or it's one of the most important uses, uh, as important as oil is to a motor or the water is to an ocean, uh, nutrition is to a body. The Scripture is so vitally, uh, it's so valuable to believers everywhere, but you also know that I utterly reject the idea of the Protestant claim of sola scriptura and instead believe that when it comes to uh, life, the spirit and the fruit of the spirit ought to reign supreme always and that the word supports our information that we get, but the, the word should never form the way we treat each other or other people. We have an interesting insight on the show to prove this point tonight. The insight's going to go a long way to explain how I am uh, very different from most of our MDiv traditionalists out there. In one of the greatest chapters of the Bible, uh, uh, especially of the apostolic record, to me, it's 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is teaching on the resurrection, so much information there. And at the beginning, before he really teaches uh, completely on the resurrection, he just gives us a little uh, insight on something. He, he says at verse 4, uh, uh, that uh, at verse 3, he talks about Jesus dying. He's describing the gospel. And he says, and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay. And then he says, and he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And that after he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present day, but some have fallen asleep, some have died. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And then he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Now, that's the scripture. That's how Paul uh, describes uh the witnesses of the resurrection. All right, he was seen of this and this and this and this. Last of all, he was seen of me, 500 brethren at once. What do you think about when you read that? And is it insightful to you or is it lacking, right? Uh, 
the spirit fills in the gaps to help show us that something's lacking there. And that the spirit shows us when we read the rest of scripture that there was a reason it's lacking here, but that perhaps it shouldn't be lacking anymore. See, in all probability, due to the trouble that the believers at Corinth were having uh, between the genders at the time, Paul does not include the first witness of the resurrection. Did you, did you notice that? Or do we just skip right over it? The very first witness was Mary Magdalene. Now, I'm not going to get into all the discussions of the who, what, where's, when, and why's of the resurrection because of gospel, apparent gospel inconsistencies. Because when it comes to the resurrection, there are a number of things that are said that you have to really tease them apart to sort of get it. I think there's a pretty reasonable chronology there, but I just want to talk about Mary Magdalene, and I am going to take the position amidst all the facts that at a certain point, not every time she was there, but at a certain point she was alone. And uh, other women joined her on subsequent trips, all right? Uh, and, and that can be seen from some of the gospel narratives, but it looks like that's not true from others. That's why I'm not going to get into the consistencies. I'm going to stand on the idea that Mary Magdalene was alone at one time when she went to the tomb. What's really intriguing to me is that Peter is mentioned by Paul as the first witness of the risen Lord and not Mary. So what is most important to follow chapter and verse of how Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles in that day describes the resurrection or to let the Spirit move in with other information and fill in what Paul decided at that time not to include. And I'm of the humble opinion when I read scripture that many things are not accidental. In fact, I think that when we see the full picture of what God is doing, we see him expressing his great artistic, creative, literary masterpiece work in the world. He is, takes Jung and he, he makes archetypes just blow your mind through scripture. And I see these, other people don't, and I think he buries mysteries within them. And I think that those who seek him can see and find those mysteries and are even told to seek them out. So I think that's the case here. And I want to explain what I mean. So while in our text here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul does not mention Mary Magdalene witnessing the risen Lord first, believers today in an entirely different age should so we should be mentioning her first in every conversation. We shouldn't be citing the scripture because Paul says this to the Corinthians. We should be telling, hey, do you know who the first uh, witness of the resurrection was? It was a woman. And it has to do with women. And it has to do with God working his archetypes and fulfillments and types and pictures for our benefit. 
it unfolds this fulfilling of scripture when we read John uh, chapter 20 and Genesis chapter 3. And we, what we discover here, folks, in the subtext of the narrative is um, honor being restored to women that was lost before. Let me explain. When we, we read in John 20, the first day of the week comes Mary Magdalene early. All right? Now, who was Mary Magdalene? She was a woman that Jesus healed by casting out seven devils, wasn't she? And ask yourself, how did Mary Magdalene get possessed of those devils in the first place? And also ask yourself, what were those devils doing in her life before Jesus cast them out? Uh, men have made Mary Magdalene out to be the, the uh, consummate whore, a prostitute or, or a, a, just a, a whorish woman, right? But we don't know that those devils did that. That's another misogynistic Im imputation into the uh, person of Mary Magdalene. But the question I want you to ask yourself is who made it possible that Mary Magdalene could even possess devils. It was another woman, right? When you think about it. And her name was Eve. Now, men and their misogynistic traditions have maintained all of these other ideas that surround that are not scriptural, but we do know that she was demon-possessed, and we know that Jesus cast those devils out and set her free. She set the captive, he set the captive free. So on the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene, while it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher and seized the stone taken away from the sepulcher. What location was she visiting? She was visiting a place, it was a garden, in fact, where the dead were put. So we have Eve in a garden setting, and she introduces death to us. And we have Mary Magdalene later, many years later, in another garden setting that is reserved for death, but death is overcome by the second Adam. So we have the type going on, we have the first act, and then we have a follow-up act, and we have a woman playing a key role key role in what's happening here from the hand of God. In the grave, or so Mary thought, was whom Paul called the last Adam. And that's in direct contradistinction from the first, because the tomb was empty. The first Adam died, brought death, right? And lays in the grave, that first Adam, but not the second one. So we have Adam and Eve in the first garden, and we have Jesus and Mary in the second. Now, I'm not saying they were married or there was romantic or doing a pulling of Joseph Smith or any of that, saying that they were a couple. I'm just telling you that we have a fulfillment here. That's not talked about very often. And then it says, then she runneth. I, I love that, you know, that shows her heart. She runneth. And comes to Simon and Peter, we read in John 20, 
And to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself, he never speaks of himself by name, and says unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we do not know where they have laid them. That we there makes people believe that there were others there at this time. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, John talking about himself, and came to the sepulcher, so they ran both together, and the other, outside, uh, other disciple did outrun Peter. That's John getting a subtle dig in how he was faster, swift, swifter of feet than Peter. And came first to the sepulcher, and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lining, but he went not in. Then, uh, then comes Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and sees the linen cloth lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. I learned from my sister, Kathy Maggie, who does the uh, recording and technical stuff here for us, that uh, when you, uh, at, for a Jewish custom, when you crumple a, a napkin at a table where you're eating, uh, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm done. I'm not eating anymore. But if you take the napkin and you fold it, what you're telling uh, the host is, I'm coming back. So very symbolic here. I didn't know that, and, and she, she taught me that. And then went in also that other disciple, John writes, talking about Peter, which came, to, uh, no, no, excuse me. And, uh, and then went in that other disciple, which came to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And as yet they had not known the scripture that he must rise again. So they didn't remember that Jesus had said, I'm going to come back. And that the scripture said he would rise again. It says it in a number of places in the Old Testament. Then the disciples went away again into their home. That's what John writes. I, I love that line too. He's gone. We don't remember. And the disciples went back to their home. So now that the men have done all their running around and going back home, probably to get back in bed to go, to, go to sleep, Mary writes, uh, John writes at verse 11, but Mary, but Mary, did you hear that? They went back home, but Mary stood outside at the sepulcher weeping. This, this is love. This is someone who loved the Lord. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the sepulcher. So John and Peter both looked in and even went in and they didn't see anything. She's outside of it and she's weeping. I suggest Eve did a lot of weeping too when once she was deceived. I seriously wonder about Adam. We read not much, nothing really good about Adam after the fact of the fall. We do read uh, that Eve thanks God and is a woman of faith. So first mistake, fine, but it seems she, ch she changed. I'm not sure about old Adam. And she sees two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was, uh, had been laying. We remember that after Adam and Eve uh, sinned, that God put cherubim, not cherub, but cherubim, which is the plural in the Hebrew, uh, with a flaming sword east of the garden to keep mankind out. So in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, we have God giving angels and setting them about. And here in the garden tomb, we have angels coming again. We have a type and we have a fulfillment going on. Here on Easter morning, those two angels appeared in the garden, not to banish people, 
but to be a comforting presence, especially now, and it seems like only to Mary Magdalene. And they said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid them, and I will take him away. Of course, God told Adam in Genesis 2.15 to go and dress the garden and keep it that he had given to him, making Adam a gardener. And here we have Mary Magdalene mistaking Jesus as a gardener. Thus far in Genesis and John uh, chapter 20 accounts, uh, they identify two gardens. They identify two men identified as gardeners. They identify two women and all fulfill unique roles of reciprocity between Genesis and John. Adam and Eve banished from the first garden to die along with everyone else. But here we have Mary Magdalene, who was once demon-possessed, who is welcomed into the garden where the second Adam overcame death for all, and the angels are there comforting her. Very different picture, but similar. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. He uses her name, the tone of voice. He's the word made flesh. He says her name. She then knew. Her sight didn't do it. She knew in her heart when she heard the word, speak the word, and the word was her name. She turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. This is so important, you guys. If you can see, if you have ears to hear, listen closely. In Genesis 3.16, as a result of Eve partaking of the forbidden fruit, God said to her, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, listen to this line now, and your desire will be to your husband and he will rule over thee. There's the type, there's the picture, there's the preface to the fulfillment, right? Here we have Mary Magdalene calling Jesus her master showing that in Christ, the curse of the fall that fell upon Mary and that her desire would be to her husband first and he would rule over her, changing. Because now we have a woman whose desire is for the Lord first and she calls him her master, right? And so the... Relationship in Christian marriages is not what was established in the Old Testament in practice, the patriarchal. And, and men will use the Bible to, to show, yeah, well, look at this. And Paul didn't even mention a woman. And, and, all the, and Paul says the women need to keep silent and all this other junk, right? But at the fulfillment, we have a woman and she calls Jesus master. He's the last Adam overcame the grave. And in marriages today, women do not make their husbands their master. In Christian marriages, a woman's master is the Lord. And, and the man's master is the Lord. 
She doesn't place her trust in man. She places her trust in him. Her heart isn't circumcised to a man. Her heart is circumcised to the Lord. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that we do in marriages to get along and work things out. And there's, there's order and, and things, but every marriage can be different. But the old biblical idea of this master-slave thing that was instituted because of the fall through Eve is done. It's done. She calls him master. Verse 17, we read, Jesus said to her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. He says, listen to these three words, but go to my brethren and say to them, they're probably sleeping, and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. In Genesis 3.23, we read, Therefore the Lord God sent Adam forth out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So the Garden of Eden, we have God saying, Go out, out of the garden. Here we have Jesus telling Mary, Go to my brethren. Go out of the garden. Go to my brethren. <coughs> These are the first directives of the resurrected Lord. And who were they to? A female. And what were they? They were apostolic directives. Why do I say that? The Greek term apostolos, all it means, translated into English, is someone sent, right? If I take and I send to my grandson, go to the store, I am making him an apostolos. It's not a, it's not a calling of an office and a priesthood or anything else. All it means is someone sent. Jesus is called an apostle in the apostolic record. And, and he sent his 12 apostles out there and he sent the 70. They're apostoloses. They're being sent. That's all it means. Well, guess what? The very first apostle of the resurrection was a woman sent to his brethren to give them the good news. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Can you believe this? We talk, we're talking about a full restoration of importance to uh, females, right through Jesus, this first interaction. This isn't by mistake. God, God, this, isn't, this isn't something that just happened. It's a direct reflection of the fulfillment of the fall and the restoration and everything that changed. Now you don't, it doesn't say that. It's not sola scriptura. But we are led by the Spirit as we read Scripture. And we see connections and we, we vet them. We make sure that they're consistent. We make sure that they're not so far out there. But God works on individuals by His Spirit. The Word isn't complete. If all you did was read Paul's uh, recitation of the resurrection account, you wouldn't know that Mary did what she did. It's really funny that we would take Paul's directives to the church in that day as well, that women need to be silent, right? Should not speak. 
because of culture and history and what they were facing at that time. And we would say, sola scriptura, sola scriptura. So we should be doing this. It's just ridiculous. No one's using their, their brain here. No one's listening to the spirit here. They're reading text and they're becoming scribes. And there, and there are churches there where women have to, you know, I served a Mormon mission in, in, in Amish. Women still have to cover their head. And they remain silent and they, and because they read this, they go by this, and no one is letting fulfillment of Scripture by the Spirit, not nobody, but not many, are allowing God to reach us through His Spirit that teaches us all things, right? The Scripture isn't teaching us all things. It gives us the things we need to know. And it's a gift, and I love it. But man, can you, that, that narrative that God has created for us it can reveal some unbelievable things that it doesn't say directly. So in churches today, women can't speak, some churches, because of what Paul says. But Jesus sends a woman to his disciples to tell them the good news as a first witness. So much is lost if you don't allow the Spirit to guide and, and show you how the word should be applied today rather than just literally apply, literally apply. doesn't make sense. In conclusion, I'd like to suggest that in these two narratives, we see God's great plan of redemption completed through Jesus, the last Adam, and Mary Magdalene, who you could call the second Eve. Uh, it's not some weird thing. I'm just saying she, she could be called the second Eve. And in harmony with this view, I see women the world over really fully emancipated from the conditions of the fall in and through Christ, their master. To me, we discover women getting their voice back right there in something Paul doesn't even mention. And when she was told to go and tell the men, she went as the first commissioned by Christ himself to share the good news that he had risen. Write us, give us your name, the country or state that you're from, and we'll include you in our growing list so that you can be part of what's happening early next year.